I want to just say why we said Maranatha. Um, it it's comes from uh, the Aramaic or, and uh, from Syriac. And uh, it's either Maranatha or Maranatha. And it means two different things. So, um, but they're both pertinent to what uh, we believe because one means Lord come. It's the greetings that the early Christians used to give one another. Or the other one, and that's more likely, our Lord has come. I love it. So it's also looking ahead and thanking God. So it actually fits beautifully with Advent. Now, those of you that have been with me over these last few days uh, are aware that I've been going through some unusual people and uh, doing that deliberately um, because we're having these apocalyptic readings and thinking about the world to come and, and the nature of the destruction and, and the debauchery and the chaos we're living in. We're living between times. We're living between times. But Christ has given us, the Lord by his spirit has given us signs, uh, signs of hope, signs that point to the future. And the greatest sign that the Lord has given to the world is the church. So I've been exploring some of this, if you like, in contrast to our apocalyptic readings, the nature of the church through some individuals. And completely arbitrarily, I decided to go on their deaths because I could choose lots of people. But if you remember just to, to uh, Eberhard Arnold... Uh, 1935, of course, um, and I thought he reminded us of this essential communitarian nature of the church. We have a commitment to one another. We are a community. We're a building, a body of people uh, brought together. I often say that spirit is thicker than blood. Yes? Spirit is thicker than blood. The people of God called together. Then we went to um, Miguel Pro and his death, and I talked about him that wonderful Mexican, think of him with his sombrero, yes, uh, um, sombre whatever you call those Mexican hats, you know, dancing. Great humour, we've got to have that, but what does he remind us? He reminds us fundamentally of the Lordship of Christ. We're not just people called together, but we're called together under Christ. Then I talked about John Lafarge, and he was very much about equality. There is therefore no male or female, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus, this essential equality that we should manifest, we are the body of Christ. And we are Christ's body for the world. We are the hope, we are the sign. So that essential equality. Then uh, yesterday, if you were there or listened, I talked about hymns and singing. I, I found Isaac Watts, Death Day, yeah? And how that man who'd written 600 hymns, yes, over a thousand tongues, and um, yes, all those wonderful hymns we sing, Isaac Watts. So we're a, we're a community called together under the Lordship of Christ, singing his praises. Isn't it wonderful? It is. So what am I going to do now? Well, I found someone who died happily. Well, not, yeah, actually she did. 26th of November. So here's another one for you. Now, what is a symbol and sign uh, of the church? Well, I've said some of them. I've said some of them, but listen to this from 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. 
He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of the world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. I absolutely believe that an essential mark of us as Christians is humility, is this, uh, that we are called to be lowly. Um, I'm going to read, and I'm doing this for Steve. I thought I'd have a sportsman who, who would uh, this, and I found um, the Don on character. Yeah, uh, so Sir Donald Bradman. When considering the stature of an athlete, or for that matter, any person, he writes this, I set great store on certain qualities which I believe are essential in addition to skill. They are that a person conducts his or her life with integrity, courage, and perhaps most of all, with modesty. These virtues are totally compatible with, incompatible with pride, ambition, and competitiveness. Yeah, so there you go. If you don't believe St. Paul, you can believe Sir Donald Bradman. But I think I'm going with St. Paul. Yeah. Uh, so it's that. Now, I've, I've chosen someone who really is at the bottom of the heap for today. Uh, so really, really. So she died on the 26th of November. So that's why I've done this. In uh, 1883, she died this. And she really was, really, you can't get much more on the bottom of the heap. Her name is Isabella. She's born a slave in Hurley, New York, uh, around 1797. She doesn't even know when she was born because her master uh, forgot to record her birth date. So it's all people are guessing, 1797 uh, maybe. And her first language wasn't the language of most people, it was Dutch, because that was the language of her master. Have you ever seen the film 12 Years a Slave? It's harrowing. This is her experience, Isabella. This is Isabella's experience. So her English had a very strong accent already. So this is an illiterate black woman in the, in the United States before um, emancipation, before abolition. A slave. I've chosen someone right at the bottom of the heap, haven't I? But she is glorious. She is glorious. So um, her back, not a, her back, of course, bore the mark of her many, many beatings she received when she was in bondage. She was bought and sold and passed off many times. Some of her owners were relatively benign, while others beat her and treat her shamefully. She was the ninth child born to her parents, and she never knew any of her brothers and sisters all of them were sold into slavery, every last one of them. Despite her sufferings, there was faith in the family. And her mother raised her to believe in a God who hears and sees everything you think and do. Her mother told her, when you are beaten, cruelly treated, or you fall into any kind of trouble, you must ask the Lord's help, because he will always help you and comfort you. And she carried that with her all her life, through all her sufferings. And she had this continuous conversation with God. And later, when she, when she managed to escape and become well-known, she'd begin with the phrase, children, I speak to God, and God speaks to me. It reminded me of Edith Stein in adoration when I read that. 
beautiful. You know, why are you there? What are you doing? Well, I'm looking at God, and God is looking at me. And she believed that God told her she would be free. She was given in marriage, sold in marriage to an older slave, with whom she bore five children. But early one morning in 1826, she walked away from her master's farm and stole herself away from slavery, that underground railway that was mostly run by the Quakers, the Society of Friends. She found her way up to New York. She took only with her her last child, her infant daughter, abandoning the other children, the other four children. And she found a job as a servant in New York. But by 1843, she was convinced that God was calling her to some mission. So she set off on foot, nobody supporting her, just going off, left New York, carrying a few possessions in a pillowcase. Unsure about her destination, but knowing that God loved her and that God was with her. With this new freedom, she felt she wanted to replace her name, her slave name, Isabella. And she called herself, so if you want to look her up, Sojourner Truth. <laughs> Strange name. <laughs> That's what she chose. You know, because she was a sojourner in, in the Lord's work, and she was speaking the truth, the truth that is Christ. So she set off. And um, up and down the land, she went, talking about emancipation and freedom and the love of God. She commenced this uh, sort of ministry of the word. Now, this is an illiterate woman, but she'd, she'd memorized the scriptures. She memorized the scriptures. She memorized them, and she preached. Her autobiography came out in 1847, which she dictated. It's called The Narrative of Sojourner Truth. And she became an effective preacher. She, um, and she split her energies because it wasn't just black uh, people who were oppressed, but women, and particularly black women, were oppressed. And she believed that emancipation had to go for everyone. If coloured men get their rights and not coloured women, she said, coloured men will be masters over the women and it will be just as bad as before. Now, we're on the cusp in history of something extraordinary. And she's at the epicenter of it. She went to see Abraham Lincoln and encouraged him. And of course, the Civil War breaks out and she spent her life ministering. By this time, New York was awash with um, all sorts of areas where uh, blacks had escaped from the South and were living in the sort of tented communities. And she spent her time ministering to them. And lots of time, these crowds were hostile. You can imagine, who's she? Who is she, this black woman? And uh, there's one case, she had lots of wonderful humour. An angry heckler, a bloke, called out, Oh, woman, I don't care any more for your talk than I do for the bite of a flea. She replied, The Lord willing, I'll keep you scratching. (laughs) She's a wonderful woman. She never doubted that it would triumph, the Lord would triumph. She never doubted, and she kept on. And uh, one, there's a famous abolitionist you may know, Frederick Douglass, and he was discouraged by what was going on. And she interjected, while listening to his speech, saying, Brother Frederick, is God dead? We have hope, because God is not dead. He is alive, Jesus Christ. And that's what she believed. 
Um, of course, uh, during the war, she visited black troops and supported them. It was in 1864 that she went again to encourage Abraham Lincoln and speak to her. Can you imagine this? This man with his top hat, you know, you've seen the pictures. The President of the United States with his illiterate black slave woman bearing the marks of slavery, but inspired by Christ. It made all the difference to her, all the difference. There were lots of needs then. She was there, though, when the war ended on December the 12th, 1865, and when Congress ratified the 13th uh, Amendment to the Constitution, which abolished slavery in the United States. But she continued. It wasn't over. Just signing something didn't make it true, did it, for everyone? It's in the heart we carry these sins. The, de the depreciation, the disdain, the despise of others we can carry in our hearts, whatever the law says, whatever the legislation says, it's in the heart that matters. See, she struggled on, and uh, she died on November the 26th, 1883, and we think she was 86. She was widely acclaimed as one of the most uh, influential women of her day. Isn't that wonderful, what Christ can do? Isn't it extraordinary what Christ can do with someone who's willing to say, yes, Lord? One of her most famous speeches, um, I don't know if you've ever read Alice Walker, The Colour Purple and that sort of thing. Have, have you seen this? You know, I read all of her novels once. I, I go through these phases and I thought, it's extraordinary insight into this period. And she, she spoke um, about the way men were treating women. And, and a man was speaking about... Uh, in a, a patronising way about women. And he said, she stood up and said this. Excuse my accent, I'm going to try and put myself in her place. I have ploughed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man can heed me, and ain't I a woman? I have borne five children and seen them most all sold off into slavery, and when I cried out with mother's grief, none but Jesus heard, and ain't I a woman? Turned that little black man there, he says woman can't have as much rights as man because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did not Christ come from? Where did Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. <laughs> Praise God for that. Isn't that marvellous? Our blessed Virgin Mary. It's great to be Catholic, isn't it? Amen to that. Just as she was dying, she said to a friend who was there with her, I'm going to die, honey, but I'm going home like a shooting star. Her star still shines. Amen. <laughs>